This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're really honored and excited to welcome Kevin Stelzer. Kevin is the founding principal of Enform Architects and has extensive experience in sustainable design, construction, documentation, and engineering coordination. Kevin has participated in some of Canada's most compelling high-performance projects and speaks widely on topics of sustainability and architecture and teaches building science at the University of Toronto. He lives with his wife and two daughters in Toronto and there's zero carbon renovated 1880s awesome 1880s era home you can find them on the web at informarchitects.com that's informarchitects.com kevin really as i said earlier honored and excited to have you on the show thank you for being here i'm very excited to be here thanks to you kevin as we shared before uh, we, we started the show, we like to start our show off with a, a quote or a mantra, if you've if got one. And uh, we went a little bit back and forth. And I love what you talked about is a world of empathy. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was a word that uh, we felt maybe there was a paucity of empathy maybe out there, or maybe it was being suppressed in our maybe current milieu. And, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, it, it can be very challenging to uh, innovate in our industry um, for a whole variety of reasons. And so uh, it, 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 was, it was difficult and tough. And how can we perhaps be a little, uh, a little softer with ourselves? You know, we like to be demanding. We like to work hard. We were, you know, we we're trying to do some things that hopefully make us proud. So, you know, can we be a little softer with, uh, you know, ourselves and also the relationships with, you know, other key players, you know, clients and, uh, and constructors and, um, you know, also think a little bit about uh, future generations. You know, we 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 really want to be successful, but uh, you know, I'm a father of two amazing uh, daughters, and uh, I think about their future. And so, having empathy for you know what they might have to go through in the future, uh, we, we think about. So, uh, you know, that word empathy, we try to drive that into our into our practice a little bit, so that when we're making decisions, uh, uh, you know, we can we can. Um, um, we can be a little, a little, maybe softer on some of our reasoning, you know, a little happier, a little softer. Hey, I noticed, I noticed Kevin on, on, the, on the website and some of the other um, uh, forums that I, I've found you in uh, before our, our show is there's a very human based element to your work. And what I mean by that is seem very human centered. Is that, am I, am I incorrect or is it, is it kind of by design? Well, well thank you for, uh, I guess, identifying that. Um, I maybe to sort of I have a tendency to talk in 
an ellipse is tend to orbit the the real point. So I apologize if if I'm overly verbose. But to answer that question, uh, my training, I'm a licensed architect. Um, but then I went back to school and studied a little bit of engineering, building physics. Um, and uh, the reason I'm saying that is I have a tendency to focus on sort of the, the physics around buildings, the, you know, especially energy, energy flows. So building physics is, you know, maybe described as all those things that move through buildings other than humans, you know, like heat and, and light and, and moisture, air. So having said that, though, as we study these these aspects of physics around buildings, we're really actually studying things like comfort and, and, and how the human responds to those things. You know, how comfortable is the human? How fresh is the air? How high quality is the light? So in the end, I would say, even though maybe I'm using a building physics lens, it's really to, um, it's really to support the human condition. You know, how can buildings become better buildings? So uh, in that respect, I would, I would totally agree with you. And I think if if you were an architect and you weren't thinking from a from a um, a human centered perspective, uh, then maybe your ego has sort of gotten a little too much of you. <laughs> that human condition uh, that almost completely negates the the ego is when you're really considerate of that, and it really really matters to you. Mm-hmm. How did you? How I'm thinking of how I phrase this to you, Kevin. How did that come about to you, and how did that really be, become to matter to you as a person, as far back as you can recall? Mm. Well, I would say, um, my father was an engineer, and um, I'll say this one comment, and it might become perhaps a little more relevant uh, a little later on as we get to know each other. But he used to design heat pumps, so from a very early age, I was thinking about heat pumps. Um, I guess, you know, we would talk about all things mechanical in the world. He actually originally studied um, aeronautical engineering, but got into thermodynamics and, um, and then got into uh, like, um, you know, industrial refrigeration. But, but that's just, that's to say that I was always sort of interested in design and, and how do we, I guess he always had a very kind of, uh, I don't know, mid-century um, positive view of technology. Technology can advance the human condition in a positive way. So I always felt that you could design things be- in, a, in a better way with research and commitment and, and some hard work. So I always looked at architecture as a way of, of being progressive. Uh, how can we make the buildings more comfortable? I mean, burning fossil fuels just didn't agree with me, to be honest with you. Like, that's pollution. Isn't that sort of in kindergarten, you know, you're taught to sort of clean up your mess after you're done playing, right? <laughs> well, uh, how can we just continuously dump fossil fuels into our automobiles and then and then just drive around and is there not going to be an impact? I mean, uh, being realistic, the the earth has a carbon cycle. We we do, you know, we there there's a there's a synergy with plants and and animals, you know, there has to be the sort of this carbon balance. The earth has been doing it for, you know, a long time. Uh humans maybe have been around for sort of a million years. But in the last like 100 years, we've really released a lot of carbon in the atmosphere, more than, you know, I mean, the earth is going to be fine. It's whether humans can deal with it. But, you know, we're, we're sort of out of that long standing balance. So for me, it was always this, this idea of uh, how can we design things better? Um, and when I first graduated, we were designing buildings, you know, with some like very, very talented architects. And uh, when LEED was uh, you know, leadership in, um, energy and environmental design, that sort of rating system, 
uh, emerged. It was exciting and um, helped quantify positive decisions um, vis-a-vis, say, you know, green design or sustainable architecture. That was all very positive to me. But we were sort of designing the same buildings and then handing them over to basically mechanical engineers to put more efficient fans and compressors and and other mechanical devices, does ex machina, basically, you know, the mechanical engineers would get in there and then the energy efficiency would improve. I didn't see my role as very integral to how that, uh, you know, how we could improve the performance of buildings. So that's why I went back to school to try and foster a deeper understanding, a, a more viable vocabulary between architects and engineers. And I, and I really see actually the future of, positive architecture as a, as a melding. So Enform is, is really started or really founded on this idea of bringing together architecture, engineering, and, 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 you know, great engineering is very beautiful. And, you know, architects have a complete fascination with all things aesthetic, but I would say that really good buildings are also performatively better. They can be measured better. I, I say sustainable buildings are measurably better. They deliver better light. They better deliver uh, better, uh, indoor air quality. It's measurable. Uh, they are certainly more energy efficient. I use efficiency in a very specific way. I, I really believe in effective delivery of, of energy, but nonetheless, they're measurably better. So all of this started from this idea that we can, um, we can use these, the sort of, we can develop like a design molecule that, that is invested with the physics of comfort, the physics of, you know, high performance, the physics of optimized um, resource deployment. Like wh- why waste is ugly. It's just not elegant, right? Waste is like something we can't name. Like there's a byproduct that we can't put a name on, onto. Like we don't know what to do with it essentially. So we, we put it somewhere so we can't see it. You know, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if like everything just became food for bacteria, right? Sure. Like it just, that's generally the way the earth has operated for, you know, eons, right? Uh, but we have a tendency to synthesize these amazing materials. Like I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not here to say humans are bad. I love humans, right? You know, some humans are jerks for sure, but that's probably because they're in a bad <laughs> mood, right? <laughs> we all are sometimes, but you know, how, how can we all live together? You know, share a little bit of empathy, understand uh, that the, the kind of diversity of perspective that makes the world operate is a, is a good and longstanding and sustainable thing. And, uh, but we have a tendency to, you know, as we've developed to make these amazing materials, synthesize them, you know, we've sort of, you know, clawed materials from the crust of the earth and we synthesize them in ways which, you know, can no longer be reintegrated into historical cycles that the world has sort of developed. Excuse me. So, um, we have waste, you know, some of it is highly poisonous, but, but I think with, a bit of care and a bit of attention, we can say, well, okay, well, we don't necessarily a, need those materials or those materials like uh, William McDonough sort of talks about, you know, upcycling and, and various types of recycling where, you know, okay, those very, very poisonous, highly uh, modified, very intensely synthesized materials stay in their own synthetic kind of e- ecosystem. They never go back. They never kind of are returned back to the say, quote unquote, natural. I don't really believe in artificial natural. Like we're all coming from the earth, but I mean, there's this Western European idea that, you know, nature is something that we kind of have to sort of stave off fear, you know, put up a wall, create a kind of amazing internal garden. It's separate from us. It's dangerous. Right. But, you know, now it's like, you know, 
you know, the whole concept of the Anthropocene, which was, you know, sort of posited by a whole series of very, very intelligent scientists saying, well, the current epoch, you know, the earth is science has sort of categorized the, uh, the history of the earth in these like giant geological epochs. Like what was the kind of the, the most important geological force shaping the future of the earth and it's named in these epochs. And then the latest one, you know, it was, it was uh, sort of proposed that it should be called the Anthropocene. Humans are the mm. greatest geological force on the planet. I mean, that, that wasn't, that wasn't successful, but I, I really, I really tie into that concept about how we have a, a we have, you know, very, very powerful influence. A, I would call it a natural influence over, over the history of, of the earth. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, we've, we've had this great sort of history of progress and we've come to a point where now we can understand the impact of that progress. And we also have the ability to reverse it is the wrong word, change, change for the better. We, we, we can do it. You know, there's lots of reasons why we don't lots of reasons, you know, maybe there's a bit of greed in there. Maybe there's a bit of uh, apathy. Maybe there's a bit of uh, all sorts of other things, but we do have the awareness and skill set to, um, to make very, very positive change. And, 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 and we can do that. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm positive about that. Excellent. I mean, that was quite a tour there. Sorry. I think, I think we started oh, somewhere excellent. and I ended up somewhere else, but uh, <laughs> like no, no. Timothy Morton, I just want to finish with Timothy Morton, <laughs> right. In his dark ecologies book, dark ecology, you know, he, he, you know, he says like the Anthropocene, are we going to look back? And this, and this is what I don't want to happen. Are we, are, is our humans quote unquote, if they survive, <laughs> are they going to look back and say, Wow, they, they they knew what they were doing. They were fully aware of it, and they still kept doing it. Right? That's what it, that's for me. You know, maybe when you asked about a mantra, that's one that's one I really keep in mind. Like, I want to look back and say, no, no, we 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 made it. We did it. Sure, there was maybe a teeny bit of peril, but we we dealt with it. We can. Excellent. You're listening. <laughs> Trying to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cyroclad. We're talking today with Kevin Stelzer, architect and the founding principal of Inform Architects. For more information, feel free to visit website at informarchitects.com. Again, that's informarchitects.com. Kevin, you, you said a great word. Well, I think it, many, but one in particular. And it, it there's some of a cadence to your... Um, your description and the way you speak and your work. And there's a synergy and it's, it's, it's actually one and the same. And that word is elegant. I don't know if you've thought of that often, but there's an elegance to, I see your practice and the work that you've done. Is that by design or is it just kind of a, well, a, I hadn't considered that. No, a I, reach. I, mean, I, I take, I mean, I'm, that's just, just, I'm just completely flattered. Um, I guess that would be an important word for me. And, it, uh, but, uh, I think there's something to, um, as we again, try and deploy our resources in a responsible way, an optimized way. Uh, and that, that includes progress as in it's, it's, you know, our work hopefully is better for humans. It's healthier. They're healthier buildings are healthier for the city. They, they are healthy for the atmosphere. They protect the atmosphere. Um, and I think in order to do that, there isn't sort of an, you know, there isn't this idea of excess. So elegance, I think, talks about, you know, the right apportioning of things, right? And then maybe even within that apportioning, there's a little bit of an aesthetic so that it's like it's apportioned in a way that 
perhaps we're we're aware of and, and, and we like. So I would say that that's 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 wonderful for you to say. I, it's I think an outcome of of uh, solutions that are optimized. Um, yeah. The 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 other point is about the amazing people in your company and how you mm -hmm. select them, that they have to have, uh, we'll go back again, a certain elegance to them as well, although they have their mm -hmm. own flair, their own style, and their own mm -hmm. uh, personalities. How important is that in your selection of the people that you work with that mm -hmm. can um, that That's can an important question, very important question. And uh, well, we call them low-carbon warriors, and I use warrior in a very, very, you know, <laughs> like I don't use that word very often, but uh, we call them low-carbon <laughs> warriors, and, and I just feel completely blessed. They sort of uh, kind of, they sort of find us, I would say. Yeah, that's the that's the most important part is that there is a, a real dedication to uh, what 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 they do, what we do together. Um, we cover for each other. There's lots of, you know, we have to kind of move forward and um, we have to move forward quickly too. I mean, a lot of people talk about the there's a climate emergency, so we, we do want to move quickly. One of our core uh, I would say one of our core offerings, service offerings, are deep energy retrofits. As we develop um, architecture, there's all sorts of existing architecture that isn't very optimized, but, but that could be. Um, we study very carefully uh, what we're, I guess, probably are um, the type of service we think is the most important conceptually is what we call zero carbon design. So taking a holistic view of a building um, from its embodied carbon to its operational carbon to its uh, disposal, quote unquote disposal, which of course we want to avoid because this idea earlier I was talking about waste is just, that's not an elegant idea in my opinion, but we have all this embodied carbon already baked into buildings. And if we are trying to curb the impact of, of, of buildings on atmospheric carbon, our um, research shows, and, and this is corroborated by a lot of industry literature, over 50% of the total carbon impact a building has on the atmosphere is in its structure, in the, in the deployment, the design deployment and, and construction of the structure. So if we can maintain that structure, existing buildings, perhaps reclad them, perhaps modify the cladding, put in um, very efficient uh, mechanical systems and services, to bring them up to zero carbon operational performance, which um, in our experience and our research is absolutely uh, achievable and affordable. Then we save all of that quote unquote damage to the atmosphere that the deployment of new structure would do. So this is one of the, this is one of the things because we're interested in zero carbon, we're very, very interested in deep energy retrofits. And we think we can, um, you know, not only design new buildings that, that manage their total carbon uh, footprint, we, we can do a lot of good for the atmosphere by revitalizing our cities uh, and, and reusing very, very intelligently that already deployed carbon. So uh, that's why, you know, I call, I call our, our colleagues low carbon warriors, but, th but th there's a mission behind that because it's not easy. It, it's readily doable. We have the technology to do it, especially on the, um, uh, the uh, simulation, the digital simulation tools we have, we can do all of the carbon accounting. We can do all the energy simulation. We have very, very wonderful heat pump tools. A lot of them coming from Asia to 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 help us get to zero carbon operational performance. But the people who you know work in Inform, it's it's a mission. 
because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, inertia in the industry saying, well, you know, that that's that's new. Is that is that risky? If it's new, it's it's seen as risky, and perhaps it is. But uh, you know, the care and the diligence and the presence that we try to bring to our projects and 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 for our clients, you know, we have very courageous clients. I think they're, they're the ones who kind of inspire us because, you know, they cut the check. They're the ones who, you know, bear the risk. Uh, they, they really, really want to do what's right, but that they have, they have a huge industry of people saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, buildings are big investments. You know, um, I don't want to lose money and, you know, we don't want to, we don't want all this risk on our, on our balance sheet. So, you know, you better be pretty sure this is going to work so that, you know, there's a, there's a courage there for them to represent these mandates where we try to fulfill with zero carbon. Um, but, but again, you know, as I'm orbiting your question, you know, the people that we work with, they, they have to, they have to have the tenacity and the professionalism and the, unfortunately we're all very emotional, but they have to have the unemotionalism in order to withstand all that sort of uh, criticism. And they do. So it's because they want to do the zero carbon thing. We think it's better design. I mean, again, like zero carbon design for us. I like to say this, you know, like the good detective follows the money because they'll probably find the criminal because, you know, most crime is probably money related or something like that. But we follow the energy. <laughs> we follow the energy. So, you know, a daylit building, wait a minute, that's better light for humans. It's uh, more comfortable. Well, um, daylight um, doesn't cost any any money to deliver. Uh, a building that has more insulation and higher quality windows stays warmer for longer, provides more comfort. The mean radiant temperature is is more consistent. It's more comfortable, but wait a minute. That means you don't have to heat your building as much that, that, that costs less. And finally, finally, because we stabilize our interior environment with, um, what I call the low Teddy approach, the low thermal energy demand approach, something that was invented by passive House, we can actually deliver the high quality ventilation systems because that interior environment is stabilized now from the, from the weather. We can actually deliver very high performance, extremely effective ventilation systems which improve indoor air quality and those systems work on less static pressure the fans are smaller the systems are smaller guess what they cost less to build and operate so by following the energy we're actually delivering a better building that's the low teddy approach that's uh that's probably another mantra that nform follows the low teddy approach <laughs> so it's uh for us it's uh it's all it's all it's all interconnected Love this. This is a terrific, terrific interview, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad. We're talking today with Kevin Stelzer, architect and the founding principal of Enform Architects. Our uh, public service announcement for today's show is for the uh, Art Smart Clinton, the uh, Friends of Clinton Public School. And uh, they were formed in 1989 through an endowment Beatrice Minden made to Clinton School for the provision of visual arts enrichment. This program provides students with opportunities to work local artists living and working within their school community. Each May, the Clinton hosts an annual arts night to showcase student artwork that is compiled over the course of the school, both during the Art Smart session as well as during the class time with their teachers. For more information, feel free to visit their website at artsmartclinton.com. Again, that is artsmartclinton.com. Again, we're talking with Kevin Stelzer, architect and founding principal of Enform Architect, and their website is at enformarchitects.com. Kevin, can you share with us why the Friends of uh, Clinton Public School Art Smart is uh, it matters much to you? <laughs> 
And and thank you very much for that. Um, well, my girls go to Clinton Public School, and uh, I would say, for me, it's self-evident. Um, as an architect, I studied visual arts, and and um, so I, I feel like understanding art is is a core component of any education. Uh, I think that you know, as I was mentioning earlier, even if you're an accountant. And I don't say that in a in a negative way at all. Or, or a scientist, or a psychologist. Never mind an artist or an architect or interior designer or, or somebody you know who, who's very very visually compelled. Um, you know, art brings a lot of a lot of co benefits to to whatever you might pursue. Self awareness. There's perceptual skills. You know, um, heightening those perceptual skills. There's a sense of. Uh, of, uh, of self improvement and confidence that, uh, that comes with it. Um, and all those things are, are beneficial to people, uh, and, and accelerate success. So, you know, having, um, you know, trying to help the, uh, you know, teachers are very embattled, you know, profession, like, the, you know, people expect so much from them. They, they, they work very, very hard, at least my experience with, uh, with, uh, teachers I've dealt with, uh, throughout my education and, and, and currently who teach uh, my children, my, my girls, you know, they're, they're, they're committed, to, they're committed to, to learning it. And, and this, so this program amplifies what they deliver for art. Right. And of course, I think, you know, the, the students benefit from it. And then of course, get better grades in, and all the subject and uh, all the subjects. So, we, you know, I believe in it and um, you know, it's, it's a small charity, but uh, uh, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it. And I think it's uh, it's, it's very helpful, small, you know, little, baby steps towards progress. Well, touch on Kevin as well. Another word that, that you've used several times that I think is uh, relevant to uh, your work and speaks volumes, positive volumes of your work is the word courageous and how that really matters in, in, in the, the final analysis with everything. Is, is that something I maybe I might have been a little more sensitive to or is it, it, does it really matter to you? Um, I, sure it does. I mean, I, I mean, okay. I, I would never associate that with myself and I, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to be immodest, but no, I, I like to associate with courageous people. They sure. give me inspiration. That's why I was saying our clients, especially, uh, exhibit, you know, a very strong sense of, uh, of, uh, where they want to go, what they want to do. Um, they have to manage lots of, lots of very, very serious pressures. So I find them courageous. And so I follow along and, and, and gather strength from that. I, I would say that the people I work with equally, mm-hmm. equally. So, you know, there's a, a, a real quiet confidence that they exhibit and, you know, not bravado, not conceit, just we, we, we can do it. We can do it better. They're, you know, um, at Inform, learning is a big part of our, our corporate, uh, you know, it's a small little practice, you know, little boutique practice, but you know, there's, there's corporate structures. And we, like, for example, you know, people who come on board, we, we try to talk to, we talk to, try to talk to them about what, what, what do you want to learn? What do you, how do you want to train? Um, let's, let's be serious about it. Let's, let's devise a, you know, a regimen that we can, that Enform can support and help, um, and help steward. It could be energy learning, energy simulation. It could be uh, learning project management. It could be, you know, studying, um, mechanical systems, whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, every you know, there's a there's a confidence and a and a, a you know, dare I say, a lust lust for learning, 
but it, it's <laughs> it's looking forward and so uh, trying to do things a little differently i mean i don't want to overstate it we're just you know we're get to we're an architecture practice we get together every day and try to deal with decisions get things built we really believe in affordability so it's not really a kind of a heroic thing it's just uh, uh um we want to have fun together we want to sh- share some empathy with each other and and the people we work with and we, and our buildings can be better for humans and better for the atmosphere. We think it's self-evident, but <laughs> I'm not so sure everybody agrees, but that maybe that's the sort of the courage I'm talking about where, you know, my colleagues sort of, you know, they come to work to do that and our clients hire us to do that. So that, that I would guess is maybe how I'd answer that. Excellent. What would you like to share, Kevin, on uh, your show today that we may not have touched on? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I've been, been very compelled by, by your invitation and uh, I've listened to, to, I don't know how many of your podcasts and I re- really enjoy them. So I just, I'm very thrilled to be here and I want to, I just want to offer you my thanks uh, for this. It's been, uh, it's been very lovely to meet you. Thank you very much, Kevin. I really appreciate that. Terrific, uh, terrific show. That's a, that's, a, that's for sure. You've been listening to the architecture and innovation podcast by Sarah Our guest, our great guest today, has been Kevin Stelzer, architect and the founding principal of Inform Architect. Kevin's the founding principal of Inform Architects and has extensive experience in sustainable design, construction documentation, and engineering coordination. Kevin's also participated in some of Canada's most compelling high-performance projects and speaks widely on topics of sustainability and architecture, as well as teaches building science at the University of Toronto. He lives with his wife, and two daughters in Toronto and their zero carbon renovated 1880s era house. For more information, feel free to visit their website at informarchitects.com. Again, that's informarchitects.com. You've been listening again to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Sarah Thank you for listening. Ceraclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Ceraclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit ceraclad.com.